Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again bringing you the Word of God. It's always an honor, always a privilege to bring you the Word. So grateful that you're connecting with us. Once again, praise God. We're going to jump right into Luke chapter 6, please. Luke chapter 6. We've been working on a series in our midweeks talking about being founded on the rock. Praise God. Verse 46, please. Uh, Luke 6 and 46. And it says this, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like, whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against the house, that, uh, and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth. Now, Matthew's account says sand, okay, which I guess earth or sand, without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently against it, right? And immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Okay, so let's back up here and take a look at this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? and not do the things which I say, which is actually here really is the challenge to us. It's what he's trying to bring out here is the point about, uh, you know, being a doer, okay? That's the whole theme here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? In other words, why do you call me supreme? Why do you call me the one in authority, master? That's what that word means. And then not do the things that I say. In other words, why are you calling me supreme? And then you kind of take kind of a casual approach to what I'm saying. Or you just, don't, you just don't put no weight to it, okay? That's what he's bringing out. Why are you calling me uh, supreme and then just not doing it? Not doing the things I ask, okay? You're looking at it like it's just some lightweight suggestion, uh, maybe some recommendation, or I think I've used before, maybe uh, just good advice from a friend or something. And, uh, you know, you can take it or leave it kind of thing. And that's what he's bringing out. He goes on to say, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he's like. Now, uh, the Matthew's account of this same text, of the same story, uh, brings out the fact the difference between the wise man and a foolish man. In other words, the wise man is the one that's hearing and doing. The foolish is the one that hears and does nothing. So there's several things that you see through this text here, okay, about the, uh, the two individuals talked about, okay. First off, they both heard, okay. We see that in both uh, ver verse 47 and verse 49. They both heard, okay. Okay, so uh, somehow or another you could say they either had an inward witness or they heard with their physical ears. They heard the instruction, all right? We also know, uh, and this is something I bring up every time with this, is neither one have an excuse, okay? Somebody can't just say, well, I didn't know, or I didn't hear, whatever. No, they both heard, okay? One chose then to do, one chose not to, all right? Both build a house, okay? Just simple things. But both build a house, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's a nice thing because they're both doing something good. They're being productive. Okay, they're trying to, uh, in a sense, build their household is kind of what it represents, their life. Okay, both build a house. Both maybe, in a sense, had similar opportunities. Okay, that's kind of a good thing. Uh, both had a storm. We're seeing that in the same text. Both had a storm. Now, chances are, you know, the way the story is written, it's probably the same storm hit both houses kind of a thing. Okay, so both, both had a storm, both had pressure, had an opposition, however you want to word it, because sometimes, uh, sometimes this storm uh, can be a demonic thing, a demonic attack. Sometimes it's just people attacks, just pressure, just life in itself, okay, hits, all right? Okay, both had a storm. Now, 
both, uh, like I said, heard, but yet one did and one did not. One was being wise and one was being foolish, okay? All right, we see that. Now, in fact, uh, Proverbs 1 brings out, uh, you know, the same thing. If you read through Proverbs 1, it talks about the difference between the wise and the foolish, and that comes right down again to being uh, a doer, okay, whether you're going to do or not. In fact, verse 33 of uh, Proverbs 1, which is the last verse of that chapter, says, whoever listens to me uh, will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Okay, I thought that was interesting because it kind of fits with the same thing here in Luke 6 because, uh, you know, one was founded, one was not, one uh, stood, stood firm, one did not. So we're seeing the same thing both in Proverbs and in Luke here talking about, uh, you know, just the fact that if you're going to be somebody that's going to listen and do, all right, you're more apt to stand against whatever kind of opposition and pressure comes your way, all right? You don't have any fear of evil there, all right? Whereas the other one, okay, who's hearing and not doing, okay, uh, all of a sudden all hell breaks loose, their home's busting apart, so to speak, and going downstream. All right, now I know I'm taking a little time on this again, but I'm trying to show you the difference here, what's going on. So we're seeing a difference here, all right? Okay, so one's founded, one is not, one stood, one did not, okay, based on just the fact of whether they're, they're doing or not doing, okay, that's the key, doing or not doing, okay, so it's the difference between someone being wise or foolish, the difference between somebody being founded or not, the difference between a home standing or, or falling apart, all right, also, okay, it's the difference between safety and security, we're seeing that, like I said, both in Proverbs and here in Luke, okay? So it's the difference, all right? It's the difference. Whether you're going to be a doer or not is going to make some difference here, all right? Uh, John 4, please. Let's look at this. I'm going to do a little bit of review. John 4, Jesus talking here, talking to his disciples. We took some time a couple weeks back, went through this a little bit more. But verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food or my sustenance is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus is bringing out that the doing is what uh, opens the door for sustenance or needs being met or provision, we could say, okay? So that's the difference, all right? My sustenance, my nourishment, my necessities of life, okay? So the difference between having our needs met, in a sense, and not could be right down to doing or not doing. Keep all this in mind. Okay, following what he says could make the difference between provision or not. Let me give you a couple more references on this. Isaiah 1, verse 19 and 20 says, If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, okay, or the best land, the best uh, to, that land has to offer is what it's referring to. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. And what that's talking about. Okay, again, is a weapon that's been formed against you. Okay, so in other words, you're given an opportunity for the enemy because you choose not to follow when you're being led. Okay, another reference, Job 36, please, verse 11 and 12, and it says this, If they obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Of course, I always joke around, that's a good 401k plan right there, Amen. But, but if they do not obey, you know, you're seeing both sides of this, if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Again, it's talking about a weapon that's been formed against you. 
or against them, okay? And it comes down to this, okay, doing and not doing. If you do, here comes the provision. Here comes the sustenance. Here comes the needs met, okay? If you don't, you go without, okay, which is a bummer, but it's how this thing works, all right? He's trying to show you the importance of being a, one that follows a doer, amen, like uh, I think it's uh, James 1 and 22, and it just says this. It says, if you're a doer and not a hearer only, amen, amen. It says that, uh, you know, to be a doer, not a hearer only, it says, but you can deceive yourself because you think you're doing when you're not doing, okay, just because you're hearing. So I just want to bring us out that the, all through all, all these texts here is bringing out the fact that, you know, you can deceive yourself. You think just because I've heard or I know what I should do, that that's enough. No, you got to be a doer, okay? Let me give you some more references, okay? John 10 brings out, okay, the difference between the abundant life and not is based on the fact of hearing and following what you've heard, all right? Deuteronomy 28 also brings out the difference between the blessing and the curse. Again, it brings out and makes it very clear it's about hearing and doing what you've heard, all right? Those that hear and do not do, it says the door's wide open for the curse. We also see in these same references, okay, through the children of Israel, the difference between them walking into their promised land and those just wandering in a wilderness came down to hearing and doing what they've heard or not doing what they've heard, okay? The word also brings out the uh, a days like heaven on earth, I think it's Deuteronomy 11 brings out, okay? And again, it, the whole thing in context is talking about being a doer of what you've, hear, you've heard. The instruction you get is what you do. It always comes down to being a doer. You got to do, amen, what you've heard. You got to be a follower of what you heard, amen. All right, praise God. Hallelujah. One of the statements I'm going to bring out again, I've talked about uh, pretty much at least a couple of the weeks, maybe, maybe all uh, last three weeks possibly. Um, you know, somebody might say, well, God's merciful. You know, I've messed up and God's merciful. He is merciful. I ain't taken away from that, okay? His mercies are new every day. Uh, you know, the word's very clear about the power of mercy and, and uh, praise God for the mercy. Praise God for the blood of the lamb. Praise God for forgiveness. Praise God uh, you know, for what Jesus has done. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're not taken away from that. But what I need to let you know, okay, is that mercy doesn't necessarily prepare you for storms. And mercy doesn't eliminate the storms. Okay, so when you're, you know, not doing what you should be doing and then just constantly trying to lean on mercy, see, somewhere along the line, the storm's still going to roll in. Okay, and now the, the fact is you haven't prepared for it. In fact, um, the definition of foundation or laying a foundation is something put down. And we brought that out just about every week. Something put down. In other words, every time an act of obedience is done, something's put down. So you either, you know, we could see it as maybe like a brick being laid, uh, you know, in, in, in your uh, stem wall, your footings or whatever. Okay, so you're putting down brick. You're putting down another layer. Okay, so every time you walk in obedience, you're putting something down. What are you doing? You're preparing. Okay, for what? Well, if some storm rolls in, you're ready for it. Amen. You don't have to, you know, go under just because a storm rolls in. You know, a lot of storms in life come. 
could be demonic, as I said. It could be just life in itself. It could be just family things. It could be people issues, all kinds of stuff that rolls in. And a lot of people, uh, their, their house, so to speak, caves in and going downstream because they haven't, uh, you know, prepared himself for anything. They haven't been a doer of anything, okay? And I know I'm kind of uh, hammering on that, but that's really how it, how it works. Last week, we talked about uh, really just simple instructions. Most of the time, we're asked to do just simple things, and I'm not going to go into all that, but we did show uh, the importance of that, uh, you know, just following in the little things and what it can mean. Um, all kinds of great uh, results can come. Uh, sometimes you get immediate results just from walking in obedience. Sometimes it maybe it's just the, like, like we're talking about, laying a foundation little by little by little, and you're just kind of digging deep, so to speak, going down to the rock, laying the house on the rock, praise God. And it might take, you know, it's, it takes a little while sometimes to build that. But, praise God, there's always good benefit for doing it. All right, said all that, all right review there. Let's go to James 1. This is where we closed off last week. I'm going to start, in a sense, there today and just kind of, you know, maybe uh, clarify this, make, bring a little bit more of it out. James 1. Man, hallelujah. Let's see here. James 1, verse 21. It just says this. Let me go ahead and read through it, and then we'll kind of back up here. Verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Okay, we're talking about the word now. Okay, be implanted here. Be uh, doers of the word, not hearers only, lest, here we go, deceiving yourselves. Of course, we talked about that earlier. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, now he's stressing this, okay? If anyone's a hearer but not a doer of it, then he's going to be like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So you're seeing here that the doing somehow or another keeps you connected to who you are, okay? I thought that's interesting, okay? But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Uh, one translation, the message translates that he will find delight and affirmation in the action. The Amplified says, uh, being not a heedless listener uh, but one, and one who forgets, but an active doer, one who obeys. And it says, he shall be blessed in his doing his life of obedience. Praise God. I thought that was interesting. Amen. But the point we're trying to make here is you see verse 21, 22 Okay, moving into 23, you also see down in verse 25, he's still talking about, you know, being focused on the Word, hearing the Word, taking in the Word. But yet in the middle of this, he says that when you're taking, you know, you're hearing the Word or you're receiving the Word. Okay, it's talking about the implanted Word. And it says, but you're not doing what you're hearing. You become like this man that looks in a, nat you know, looks in a mirror, you know, with his natural face. He's looking in a mirror. He walks away, forgets who he is. Now, a reference that I like to bring with this is in 2 Corinthians. Just kind of write this down. I'll go and quote it to you. Chapter 3 and verse 18 of 2 Corinthians says, We all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, uh, in context, what it's talking about there is talking about the Word of God. Now, 
uh, in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, he's talking about the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He's talking about, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the uh, covenant of, of, of life versus the covenant of death. He's talking about, you know, right, or, uh, being in right standing versus condemnation. And uh, just talking about the difference between the, uh, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He talks about the difference between the, the ministry of Moses versus the ministry of Jesus, okay? And he's talking about primarily about looking into the new covenant and who you are in Christ based on what Christ has done. So you're looking into the new covenant, and he says as you do that, you behold, it's like looking in a mirror. You're seeing a reflection of who you're called to be. And he says you're literally seeing like the glory of the Lord, and it says as you focus on that, it says you become literally transformed into that image. And it says it's a work of the Spirit, okay, which is, it says, you know, from glory unto glory. So I'm talking about it's a process, okay, but the point being made, amen, is the fact that, you know, you're looking into the Word. So when you get back here to James 1, okay, when he's talking about it's as if a man looks into a mirror, sees, you know, who he is, but he walks away and forgets. So you, you can definitely see where he's talking about the Word. It's like looking into the mirror, you see this, and you know maybe what you should do or who you should be or what you should uh, you know, not do or do, whatever, and then you walk away and you completely forget about it. Well, how is that? Well, it's because you're not doing it. That's all he says. That, that's the difference. He says you're not being a doer. Okay? So you might look and you might know what it says or you might heard what it says, you know, somebody maybe of, you know, teaching it or preaching it or something, you might know and heard, okay, but the point is I'm not applying it. I'm not doing anything, okay? But the thing I want to bring out today is the fact that how it connects you with your identity, okay? Like you said, you walk away and you don't even, you forget who you are, okay? Well, the idea is to walk away from looking in this and know exactly who you are. Well, the, idea, the only way to do that is to keep doing what you should be doing. So I wanted to kind of tie this together a little bit today. All right, and this is what we're going to do here. Go to the Gospel of John. I want to show you a few things. I want to tie this uh, with, uh, with identity. And identity is one of them topics I love to talk about, but I'm kind of looking at it, uh, coming at it from a little bit different angle here today. John chapter 5, please. And verse 19 now, let this uh, unfold a little bit uh, as we kind of look at this. This is Jesus talking, and he said, Most assuredly I say to you, this is 519 of John, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, I love this, what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, now whatever he sees the Father doing, the Son does in like manner. You see there's the doing here, but you notice that he only does what he's supposed to do. Now hang on to that, okay? Chapter, same chapter, verse 30 this time. Jesus said this, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. In other words, amen, I'm hearing what I what I'm should be doing, the judgment, the, the decision I need to be making, and that's what I do. And my judgment is righteous, or it's right. See, it's right judgment, it's right decision making. Because, here we go, I do Look at this, I do not seek my own will, but what? I do is what he's saying here, the implication. I do the will of the Father who sent me. In other words, I'm not doing something else. I'm not doing my own thing. I'm trying to do what the Father wants. 
Now you say, well, what's this have to do with this? Well, think about how you, you know, how you identify Jesus. Think about all the things that you see about Jesus. What is it, if you were somebody to say to you, uh, give me a description of Jesus. Well, people are going to start saying stuff like, well, he's a healer. He's the deliverer. He's our savior. Um, you know, he casts out demons. He, uh, you know, raises the dead. Uh, you know, he, he uh, you know, uh, speaks to the wind and it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, cal- and it goes calm when he tells it to, you know, speaks to a tree and commands it to, uh, to not bear fruit again. And it happens. I mean, people start bringing up all kinds of things. Okay. He, uh, he's a need meter. He's a miracle worker. We can start going on and on and on about a description. Okay. How you identify Christ. Now the point I'm trying to make is this. His identity, as far as you're concerned, is based on what he's been obedient to do. Because he said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it, or I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. In fact, let's look at another reference. In chapter 8 of John, John 8, and uh, let's go to verse, let's see here, uh, verse, I believe, 28, I believe is it. He says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things, and He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do, you always notice He's always doing, okay, He's, trying, he's being obedient here, I always do those things that please him. Now, Jesus made it real clear, you know, even in the garden, you know, I, you know I'm, I don't do my own will, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Okay, he's making it clear. Now, you, you know, this whole thing, we're, what I'm trying to show you is that everything he did that determines to you and me about his identity was based on his obedience to the Father. In fact, let's look at another chapter, chapter 12 of John. All right, like I said, we're letting this kind of unfold here a little bit. John chapter 12, verse 49, he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. In other words, I do what I'm supposed to do. I'm obedient to it. Now, the point I'm just trying to make is his identity, as far as we're concerned, is wrapped around his obedience. All right, let me, let me take it a little bit further here. Let's go to Philippians. All right, Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, and we'll go, maybe just for sake of time here, look at verse 8, kind of few verses here. Philippians 2 and verse 8, and it just says this, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, here we go, and became obedient to the point of death, all right, even the death of the cross. You notice that, see, he, he was obedient to it. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, right, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and those in, uh, of those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue, here we go, should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, 
Everything he did right up to the death, the burial, the re- everything was all based on obedience. Everything he did. He didn't do anything that wasn't a- attached to his obedience unto the Father. And see, everything that we see and we identify him as was attached to that. Now I want to say this, okay? Everything as far as your identity in Christ is attached also to his, uh, his obedience. So you think about this. He even went to the death on the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, the sending of the, of the Holy Spirit. Everything that happened, okay, happened based on obedience, okay? Now think about your identity for a minute, okay? Scripture says that you're accepted. It says you're forgiven. It says you're redeemed. It says you're adopted, uh, you know, we can go kind of on and on and on. You know, so uh, it says you're an overcomer. It says you're a conqueror. Now, if you go and you look at any one of those references, whether we're talking about out of Ephesians 1, Romans 8, 1 John 5, and we can go on and on and on of areas that begins to de- define who you are in Christ that you find when you look into the mirror of God's word, you start finding out who you are. Now, every one of those things are attached to his obedience to pay a price for you, to make you who you're called to be. is all attached to it. But see, here's the problem. If there's no action, if there's no doing, see, you look at this and you say, okay, he says this is who I am, but I put no action to that. What happens is you don't confirm it. You don't establish it. You don't settle it. So what happens is you walk away as as though somebody who forgets who they are. So now let's go back to James 1. Let's take a look at that again. Okay, in the light of everything we're hearing here, James 1. Verse 22, I'll maybe just kind of jump in there. It says, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, lest you deceive yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who observes, get this, he observes his natural face in a mirror, okay? So you know it connects you to your identity here. For he observes himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So what determined, what's the difference between a man knowing who he is and not knowing who he is is whether or not he's going to be a doer or not. At least in this text, that's what it's showing. He's trying to show you that, okay, if you're not going to be a doer, what happens is it's like, it's like you look in this and you see it or you're hearing it, we could say, right? You're hearing it, but you're not doing it. So what happens is you literally forget who you are. Now, this is why a lot of times Christians lose sight of who they are. Here comes the pressure. Here comes the attack. Here comes opposition. Okay, here comes, you know, this you know, thing called life that slaps them upside the head. And they're moving along, and all of a sudden, they lose sight of who they are. And as a result of it, their life falls apart, or the enemy has an inroad. Somehow, that, he's got that weapon that's formed against you that has an inroad. And all of a sudden, he's stealing, killing, destroying. All of a sudden, the curse is running rampant. All of a sudden, instead of you know, having a life that, like heaven on earth, instead, it's like a life like hell on earth that begins to manifest around you. All of this is because of the fact that you see or you hear and you do nothing with it. So what happens is you lose sight of who you are. Now, I got to thinking about this, and this is kind of how it came to me, 
is that who we are is confirmed true based on our obedience to him, is what we're seeing here in James 1. All right? Now, you know, what does that mean? Well, to be confirmed true, we're talking about maybe something being proved, something established, demonstrated, uh, settled, ratified, uh, 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 validated is another word, maybe another synonym in that, uh, something validated. But how is it done? Well, think about this. Think about all the times God asks you to do things or the Word asks you to do things. Sometimes it's simple as this. Remember, remember the simple, simple instructions. Okay, sometimes it just says, accept it. Just, just accept it. Or it will say sometimes, receive it. So sometimes the act of obedience is just receiving what he says or accepting what he says. That's simple. That could make the difference about whether or not you're seeing it in manifestation in your life or not. Now, according to this word, you are who he says you are. But how do you confirm that? How do you settle that? The only way that can happen is by being a doer of the things that he asks you to do. Sometimes there's things you have to walk out. Sometimes there's things you just got to act on. Whatever it is, however he said it, act on it. Sometimes, child of God, it's as simple as just some follow through. Amen. If you follow through with some things, all of a sudden, it begins to confirm. It begins to settle some things. You know, I was uh, thinking about some of these, you know, texts. that when you start looking at identity, you kind of go back. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time studying on identity and taught a lot, of, a lot on identity. And if you kind of go back and you start looking at some of the different texts, you see where obedience is required in some things. Just the simple little things. You know, even when the Word of God says that you're a child, uh, or let, actually, let's think about maybe John 10. Maybe that's a good one there. And it says, uh, you know, you're uh, the sheep of his pasture. Well, and the Word says, his sheep know his voice. His sheep hear his voice. And here we go. His sheep follow his voice. And the voice of a stranger you will not follow. Okay? And then it talks about, you know, the fact that you're walking in a abundant life versus the thief coming in, stealing, killing, and destroying. Now, the difference is what you're following or what you're giving heed to. If you're following his voice, abundant life. Amen. You're his child. You're the sheep of his pasture. Amen. All of that was based on just following when he leads. Everything you look at is about the voice of God speaking and you following. I think about Romans 8. I love Romans 8. But Romans 8 talks about, amen, about the, uh, you know, that his, his people, you know, hear his voice. It says they, they are led by the Spirit of God, and they are then the sons of God, or we us, or mature ones of God. But the whole thing's talking about they're being led by the Spirit. They're walking in the Spirit. If you kind of back up a little bit in that chapter, it's talking about walking in the Spirit versus walking in the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit and you're led by the Spirit, it refers to you as sons of God. All right? It goes a little bit further. It says you're a child of God. It goes a little bit further. It's just you're an heir of God. It goes a little bit further. So you're a joint heir with Christ. And all of this is based on following, amen, purposely obeying and living according to the Spirit. And it brings that out clear. It's just talking about obedience. 
you get a little bit further down, and it says that, that all things can work together for good. I'm talking about Romans 8 again, okay? All things are working together for good. Well, how does that happen? Well, you have a, a, an act of obedience. What do you do? Well, it says if you pray in the Spirit, you start praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden things begin to work. Things come into, uh, you know, start uh, changing and adjusting, and things start to be made right, praise God, just like the Word says. But everything is worked off some form of action following something He's leading you to do. Even when you get further on down and you find out you're more than a conqueror, you even see that even in that is receiving it, believing it, walking it out, praise God, not backing up, not quitting, but staying with it, praise God. Oh, hallelujah, child of God. So much of our identity is wrapped up in just being a doer. Amen. Now, again, you are who he says you are because of what he's done, because of his act of obedience. But if you want to confirm that in your life, you want to see that come into fruition, amen, where you're not always struggling with it, all it takes is for you now to follow through an act of obedience, amen. And whatever it is, whatever we're talking about, whatever leading, whatever bidding, whatever the, uh, the word's saying, or whatever his voice is speaking to you in your inner man, praise God, follow it. And when you do that, who you are comes into fruition, praise God. And you're be, you walk out exactly who he says you are, praise God. I hope you got this, child of God, praise the Lord. Father, I give you praise and glory. Thank you for a people of God that had an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and again, Lord God, for opening the eyes of our understanding. Thank you, Lord God, that this people will walk in their true identity and who they are. Hallelujah. And we give you the praise and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash victory. Or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.